Welcome to the holding space. A little bit of an editor's note for this first episode. We filmed this late last year, so we didn't know what the political climate might look like or what the vaccine rollout might be. We had no idea, we didn't want to guess, so we are just talking from where we are, and that is really the spirit of the holding space. And now, without further ado, let's jump into the first episode. Hello, May, and welcome to The Holding Space. Hello, thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Okay, we're jumping We're jumping right into episode one. This is the inaugural episode of the inaugural season of the inaugural time. Inaugurations galore this year. Oh, oh, yes. Um, <laughs> um, let's just introduce you to the people, to whoever is listening out there. You might not know who I'm talking to right now, and that's a problem. This is Mayalin Perdomo Santos. If you do not know, she is insanely talented. I met her as a performer, but she is now also, and probably has always been, a writer, a playwright, a poet, a director, and so much more. Uh, A cat mom, which is like not on the same level but is equally important i didn't even think was part of my trajectory but here we are but it also makes sense take this moment to introduce yourself i did a weird job where i just listed a bunch of your titles but how would you introduce yourself to an audience that may not know you um well given the context i would introduce myself as matt's friend um I love you, Maddie. That's number one on the list. And then um, I would I would agree. Uh, yes, I did meet um, I did meet Matthew as a performer, singing that kind of thing. I still do that ish, um, but I think my focus has gone more towards writing. Um, so I'm a writer. I think this is all over the place, but I think if we were to sum it up into like what my email signature is right now, it's like um performer writer educator because i do that is also part of my job i I teach students well i'm a tutor but it's still teaching yeah no it is true you're fully in the education world um as well as the performance world and the creative world um wow and and here we are like how I mean, okay, I guess what I mean by that is, did you, you just said that you didn't see owning a cat in your, in your line of like, where (laughs) the world was going to take you. So what did and didn't you see about what you're doing right now? Because this wasn't your forever. This wasn't always Mylene Perdomo Santos, as we know her. This was kind of, these things are new, you know, like, you know, you're, we're growing. Everything's going to be new eventually. Um, but there was a point where you were just, when we met going, going back a little bit, when we met, you were, we were both in school, in middle school. No, I was okay. Yeah. We were in, course, in the middle school chorus, uh, when we first, first met, but what I met was when you were just a gumdrop when I, yes, when I was just a gumdrop in a blue vest, um, <laughs> not the blue vest. <laughs> We were just Hi. two little two little beans uh, singing away and performing. And what part of your life do you feel like you didn't see coming, but now makes complete sense and you can't imagine without? 
so speaking to this like trajectory of like being on stage and now being more in the creative room um I think it is that like ever since I was a kid um and I'll always refer to these memories I have like memories of VHS tapes of like home videos of Mayeling at like five years old singing some Spanish pop song (laughs) because my parents egged me on to do it and of course I obliged um so yeah so like I think I had a very, like I auditioned for my school's musical arts in second grade. Like, I think I was always on stage for a really long time. I forget that my first debut on stage was the Nutcracker in pre-K. Oh my gosh. I love the Nutcracker. Adorable. <laughs> yes, it was, there's pictures. Um, Maybe I'll dig them up. But yeah, so. I want to see things. these pictures immediately. Well, I can't right now because they're my old place, but I will find them for the future Um situation um but yeah so I've always been like in front of the camera or on stage type of thing and then I hate I always hate to say to you know like admit to this but I've started I mean I've always written too like from a young age I've been a writer like I remember like those like the notebooks that your teachers always made you have or like you write whatever like those have always been like a fun time for me um but definitely being on stage and performing has been my number one love. And then as I got older and realized what a lot of that entailed in terms of the industry and having to look a certain way and perform a certain way and fit a certain mold, it sort of felt like this wasn't for me or rather I'm learning. I wasn't for it. Mm. And what I mean by that is like, I don't want to um, play this game, right? Like I don't want to, fit into that mold um so I guess what I'm saying is that like there was a little bit of disillusionment as I started progressing more towards like writing and directing and that kind of thing because I was like well I don't I I don't think there's a place for me on stage so I'm just gonna like revert to these aspects of my talent but I don't want to use that word anymore like it's not reverting to it's just a transition into um So yeah, so I think I didn't, I didn't really see that coming. I think for a really long time, I felt like I was going to be on stage and I still have dreams of that, but it's not necessarily my priority. Like I still fully hope someone will turn me into a recording artist so I can tour (laughs) and be on stage. I'm going to take this moment to explain this episode's topic because it is a little conceptual it is a little bit um up in the air and and not fully uh it's abstract i would say this episode is following the idea that this can't be forever this moment this struggle this joy sometimes cannot be forever no moment is sustainable and and no no tribulation that you're going through is going to be everlasting. And so there's this idea, I mean, that's not 100% true. Uh, I shouldn't say no, but most moments are completely changing, completely fleeting and, and evolving. And like, what does that mean? So I guess we're just here to talk about everything in between. What, what does that mean? What does it really mean to have hope in a hopeless situation? And, and is hope valuable in the way that we traditionally think of hope? Let's start with the obvious. Um, we're in a pandemic. I mean, you know, at this point of recording, we definitely are. Yeah, like... 
but we're also at this weird time of the pandemic and I guess anyone at any time of the pandemic can be like this is such a weird time because this whole year has been very weird my point is we're in a really interesting place of the pandemic uh where we're not quite where we were where everything was in the dark and there was no sight to a vaccine but we're not quite in a place where people are being vaccinated and things are feeling safe or transforming into that so um I guess my question is, what is what does hope mean in all of that? What are your feelings? What are your thoughts? And what have your experiences been like, especially lately? I'm thinking about, and we're just going to go with it. I'm thinking about how at the beginning of this, let's say March, April, May, like after two months of quarantine, I just remember being like, I... I'm going to the beach this summer. Mm-hmm. I am going to the beach because I have to go to the beach because I am going to go to the beach. So all y'all better behave. <laughs> Start behaving now because I want to go to the beach. No, but um, that that image of the beach and that like certainty that I would go to the beach, spoiler alert, I never went to the beach. Yeah. Although some people did and well, let them think about that. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to think about it. Um, but I needed to hold on to that image because it was such a dark tunnel at that point. Right. Mm. Um, yeah, it was such a dark tunnel because we didn't know what was going on. Like now we know what's going on. Now we know to wear masks. Now we know it's airborne. Like we know all this information. So that, like, you know, right. Like knowledge is power. So as long as we know what to do, how to handle this, we can feel a little better when you're in the dark about something, it's very scary. So the only thing that I could hold on to is like summer, right? Like when the summer comes, like this is all going to be under control and it like, we'll, we'll even be out of it. Obviously we didn't know, or I didn't know how a pandemic worked, but um, yeah. And there's just something really powerful about, and now this is going to sound so so corny, but like there's something really powerful about believing in the future, like believing mm-hmm that that is a reality um, and that's going to pull us through. Um, And then, yeah. And then when that summer came and we realized like that's not happening and we all should not be going out and gathering at the beach. I, I sort of accepted it. um, And not in a, like I give up kind of way, but more in like, you know what, we've made it this far. Mm. Um, despite all the the darkness that came with it um and all the loss um and it just only means that like we can make it further with every moment that i think we lost this in the pandemic so far um i thought you know i'm okay with losing this if the next moment exists and i felt like every step was (laughs) I feel like every step I'm not I don't remember what I said man I just speak whoever's listening just rewind yeah rewind a few seconds and listen to what I said but (laughs) um I just feel like every moment was like a monkey bar moment where I was just grabbing onto one moment at a time and every time one of those fell from my grasp I would just grab onto the next one and and thus my year has been spent and thus my time in quarantine has been spent fully just looking for the next thing. And I think 
I don't know. Like there was a time where I felt comfort in that. And then there was a time where I didn't, there was a time where I felt like, well, if I'm just living moment to moment, mm-hmm. hoping that things would get better and they don't, what does that mean? Like, yeah. does that matter if, if it doesn't feel like it's looking like it will? Um, and obviously at that time, it, during those thoughts, there was no news about the vaccine yet. Um, so there wasn't even that to like hold on to vaguely. Right. There was just like this idea that, well, this is it because people are not going to follow protocols and guidelines and we're just going to keep in this cycle where people who want it to be over just sit and wait and people who, you know, are out there living their lives continue to do that. But we're, we're just, it felt like we were in this cycle where no matter what I did to keep myself sane, mm-hmm. we were, I was stuck. Uh, and it felt it weirdly, I guess what I'm getting at is it weirdly felt hopeless to feel hopeful. It felt like I was wasting my energy. Yeah, it just felt like I was kidding myself to to still feel like there was something to look forward to or, or there was light at the end of mm-hmm. the tunnel or there wasn't a reason to feel as hopeless as I, as I wanted to or as I was leaning into. Um, and thus was really a chain of reactions. I mean... We've been in this for a while now. We've 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 known what comes with it. We know what feelings come up and what it's like to be in quarantine and to be away from our friends and to miss out on things and to cancel everything. And I think what you touched on a little bit on the positive end and what I'm what I'm bringing up on my like whole negative experience is that this moment and the lens that we filter every other part of our lives through mm-hmm. has robbed a sense of future and thus goes hope. Because if there is no future to believe in, you can't have hope because that's what it is. It's looking forward to what's to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my personal life went under, uh, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't make goals or set out to do things because I didn't think there was a future to hold space for those things. And so I let everything fall. I stopped believing and hoping and wanting because just surviving was my protocol. It was, it was, it was my uh, priority. Um, How do you think your experiences with your personal goals life and dreams have have been affected surrounding the idea that like okay wherever you are this isn't your forever so what's your now what's your next not what's your now I don't know I think I'm still figuring that out I feel like I've I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I still feel like I'm waiting for the signal to like make those plans. Like mm-hmm. I'm still waiting for like everything to get quote unquote back to normal for me to be like, okay, now I can plan for the future. Right, right. Um, and I don't know, I'm not, I'm not beating myself up about that. I think I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, but it's not like it's not hopeless either. It's just more like I think it's a it's a personal practice of like just being in this moment. Mm. If I'm honest, yeah. 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. I feel like there's this duality of possibility here, right? We're at a weird turning point. We're not quite around the corner and things have a potential of getting better, which is new, but things also have a potential of not going the way that we would want it to go and getting worse. And while that's devastating to think about, there's this interesting balance that we're teetering where things could be great and things could be not so great. Um, And a part of that makes me feel suspended. I feel like suspended in this idea that perhaps there's this life waiting for me on the other side and perhaps not. Um, And I don't know what that feeling is of trying to move forward anyway. I guess that's what we've been trying to figure out for months and everyone in their own way and in their own language. Uh, And for me, I can't tell if it balances between like a really jagged sense of hope or desperation. I I don't know if I'm just desperate for better that I'm willing to set aside the possibility of worse. There is a, there's a way where that this uncertainty of like what the future holds um, and what to expect from it or, or what to project onto it has led to a lot of understandable anxiety over the last few months um, and in recent life, right? Like it makes sense to feel anxious about not being certain about what's to come. What I'm struggling with here is this acknowledgement and understanding and, and very new feeling that there is also this follow me like this sense of liberation and uncertainty yeah we don't know what the future is going to look like with this pandemic socially politically emotionally career-wise friendship we have no clue what the future is going to hold I mean we never do that was always true the illusion of that has been complicated by what's going on but it was always true we didn't have a sense of complete certainty life has always been up in the air um but now there's this now idea. Now we're faced with it. It feels tangible is the word I'm thinking of. Like, it's not a theory. It's not like, you know, anything mm-hmm. can happen. Nothing lasts forever like this. You know, these things that we say, it's like, no, literally it's happening right now. Yes. Yeah. The stakes are, real are higher. In real time, we are being faced with huge, huge themes that I think haunt people for a lifetime, let alone let alone a few uh, weeks and months. Um, you know, we're facing mortality issues. We're facing moral issues in, in such an alarming rate because it is literally life or death. And in that, it extends and informs so many different parts of our lives. Um, the way that we think about our careers and reprioritize careers and connection and all of those things. Um, but there is this weird, like, I guess it's new to me, or I'm trying to newly explore it, but this like liberation of the unknown and the uncertainty and this idea that because we don't know what's going to happen, there is no definitive way to say what's going to happen is not going to cause positive change, Mm -hmm. you know? That's not to say the hardships anyone has ever gone through are 
justified by positive change. I'm not a believer that the good outweighs the bad in any situation. That's just my personal thing. Um, but not knowing what the future holds lets me believe that there is a future that holds good, mm-hmm. even if there might be a future that holds bad. Yeah. And both of those have agency of, or both of those ha- have ownership of, of the way that I conduct myself moving forward. Yeah. I hear that. And, and what I hear you saying at least is that like, um, in a weird way, not knowing what's going to happen m- makes it much more like possible for us to like weigh into that outcome or like sort of shape that outcome for ourselves. I believe that as much as I found anxiety in this sense of not knowing what's next I've also found this like comfort in knowing that what's next can be better mm-hmm. at least I and, and at least that might be hope even yeah. if my hope isn't that things are definitely going to get better right. but there's hope in knowing that it's a possibility mm-hmm. yeah it feels weird to say like mm-hmm. oh it's not impossible for things to get better so like yeah. That's hope That's enough for me. But, yeah. But that is where that I'm is. at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to say something. No, I am, but I'm trying to make this connection and maybe I don't have to, but you don't have to. Yeah. I'm just thinking about how like there's, um, there's just a lot of comfort or yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's some comfort in like just being um, in this in this present moment. Um, yeah, and like in some in some funky and odd way that like this is precisely what it means to be human mm. is like being in this in this weird like I don't know what's gonna happen next. I don't know. That's just what's on my mind. It's true. Humanity is on the table, y'all. Um, humanity <laughs> is on the table, and it is interesting to watch how people are playing their cards because I feel like that is really what I have been questioning in my personal connections with people, in the way that I'm viewing uh, those online in life. There is a way. There's no perfect way to play the cards that we're dealt in any situation, let alone in this very large, very extreme situation. However, there's definitely ways to play the cards that are reflections of your morality and your values and your way that you exist amongst others. Uh, Because more than ever, we are connected in a very like trackable way um yeah we're certainly we're certainly connected like period (laughs) right and there's and there's nothing we can do about that I think right and it's very interesting because like you can argue that socially and politically the last few years and the last year and the last whatever has shown us to be as divided as ever like Mm -hmm. that's something we hear all the time and yet 
it doesn't matter how divided socially, politically, mm-hmm. emotionally, spiritually we are. Physically, we're all on this floating oh, orb in space. My God, yeah. How are we going to make it work? Um, or are we? Like, and it's always... <laughs> But like, it feels, everyone keeps saying like, it feels like this is like the end game of the country or the world. And like, while that's catastrophic to say, it really is like, okay, these are the cards. What are we going to do as a, as a unit? And Mm -hmm. uh, no group project has ever been fun. No group project has ever been enjoyable. This is is an awful group project. Yeah. We're stuck with uh, you know, at the same time as being stuck with your friends and family in this huge group project, you're also stuck with strangers and you're also stuck with yeah. people who have opposite views and don't value you or do, but like not really. It's like the worst. This is fully uh, like we, you and I, we are the ones doing the project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of, <laughs> it's one of, it's definitely the group project where like only a few people are doing work and the other people are just like actually deterring the process. Um, like fully not answering the emails and, and not getting back to the Google doc. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's that kind of group project. And, and it only adds to this, this sense of like, okay, well, what's next then if this is this what is after this um because i i mean who knows what'll make what to an audience but i will say right now like honestly i don't know i guess the most skeptical person can be like or the most cynical person can be like i'm not surprised by anything but there's no way that these last this last year these last few months haven't been surprising and and to me like there's just no way that anyone can be like this much terribleness isn't surprising and in in that light I really am genuinely surprised that no matter how bad things get there can be people who like just won't be like all right I guess I'll do what I have to do (laughs) like it's surprising I know people can be awful but like on this level it feels bizarre it feels ridiculous and then I remember there are people who don't believe that the earth is round and then I'm like oh yeah like there are people that are fundamentally not filtering the world through the same even like a a basic lens of of scientific reasoning let alone like moral (laughs) reasoning (laughs) what do you think okay let's we are very we're much (laughs) We are much deeper into like this pandemic sense of reflection. Than Let's reel it in. Let's reel it in. Ended. Um, <laughs> I am going to be, I guess, I'm trying to figure out how to like steer us away from the pandemic. But in a way, like that's the thing is like in this moment, I think there's nothing I can even begin scratching the surface and, and not think about how we're filtering it through this lens because yeah. the world is I different mean, it's what we're living it's what is now and it's what is our reality so so of course we're filtering everything through this pandemic lens and that is our reality um but i think what's interesting about this moment is that it is bringing up and bringing to light the ways that I felt hopeless before. 
before the world felt like it was this much on fire, I had already felt hopeless uh, about things that aren't necessarily worldly, that aren't necessarily, I mean, they are and they aren't, like everything is and isn't, but that aren't necessarily world issues. Like no one is, no one is getting on CNN and is like, well, today Matthew Vasquez's career is a world issue. We have an expert from Britain and we have an expert from Colombia. <laughs> like that's not what's being discussed on world right. news. Uh, and yet is it a product of the world? Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are things that have come up this year who that I felt before um, that relate to where I want to be in my life versus where I am. You know what I mean? Like the feeling that this can't be my forever isn't just about the pandemic. It's about like mm. other parts of life that aren't up to where you want them to be. Yeah. So for me, that really manifests in my dreams, whatever that means. And if you are less, you know, if you're less head in the clouds, then like my goals for anyone listening, um, I just really get down about them, I guess, like is the bottom line. I get really like sad that I'm not doing the things that I want to be doing or that I don't feel like I have the doors open or the resources or the connections. And the issue here is that I don't like how familiar those feelings feel. It is totally normal and like valid and everyone is feeling the feelings of like being un like fulfilled by this reality that we are currently in. But I don't like that there's these feelings that are coming up where I felt them before and they're not different. Mm -hmm. The world might be vastly different, but the feelings of me wanting to be on a television show acting or to produce my own work, those feelings have very little to do with the moment we're in, have very little to do with a pandemic or a virus. And they have to do with the feelings of dissatisfaction that I've, I've had for a long time. Um, and while I know that those could be valid and, and, and sure, I think the only thing lately that's been helping me get through them is this idea that this can't be my forever. If I'm meant to do that thing and I can do that thing, then this can't be where I'm at forever. Mm-hmm. This moment, even if it feels familiar, can't always be, you know, mm-hmm. where I'm operating from. And to justify that for myself, I really have to think about what wasn't at one point. There was one point that, and it's like, it can be silly things that I didn't always want to do, but like things that I did, um, like at one point I didn't have a reel. I just, I didn't, I didn't have the footage, so I didn't have a reel, but I ended up booking enough gigs and doing enough things where I have copies of work to make a reel. At one point I wasn't, you know, featured on Spotify. Now, questionable, don't ever look it up. It's fine, you won't find it under my name. But I wasn't on Spotify, right? That wasn't a thing that we did (laughs) at one point. That wasn't a thing that we had. And now, like, if I wanted to, I can pull it up and listen to my sound, my song, not my song, but my voice on Spotify (laughs) in a song. And, like, that's weird. That's an experience I didn't think I would have, but I did. And at one point, I didn't have it. It wasn't mine. Um we talked a little bit in the beginning about like 
where life has sort of diverted from where you thought it was going to be. But what are, if you can really at all, what are these, what are the moments like when you have to remind yourself that just because you're not at point B doesn't mean you're never going to be at point B? I think a lot about uh, growing up and um, how I was fully entrenched in a faith that was not my own, right? And like, that's not the case anymore. And I thought that that was going to be forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that I am, I've stepped away from that and grown from that, like, it's very liberatory. The negative experiences just feel like they will never end. There always feels like for me, I, in my experience, there always feels like a way out of joy. But there doesn't feel like there's a way out of pain or or hardship. Yeah. If I have to be active about like, oh, mm-hmm. this isn't forever. This won't always be my forever. There can be a way, a life without this. Yeah. Um, but that's a lot harder. And I don't know, I don't necessarily know for me why that is. In your personal experiences that you have mentioned or or one that you haven't, was there a moment that you realized, oh, this idea of hope of something beyond this wasn't there, now it is? When when was the point where like sort of the, the light broke through the tunnel? Yeah, like what was your what was your turning point in those moments? This is such a good question. Next question. <laughs> Next question, please. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's that I truly don't know or if it's just because there it, it, it's like moments. Uh, it's like little moments. So would you say that instead of an epiphany of sorts, your life has been changed in seeing the cracks between the ways in which change is coming? Absolutely. This is so hard to speak about because, um, yeah, it is deeply personal. I have kept um, my faith journey in a very tight box um, that I, meanwhile, holding a crystal up, like that is what I'm holding in my hand right now. Yes, I've gone crystal mode. Um, Yeah, I think I just, hmm, I just remember like, I remember the summer where like that that part of me was sort of completely shut away and feeling um, like I was in complete darkness and complete uh, like completely alone in terms of like my worldview and and how to relate to people and like what my my value even was um, and yet like. I was okay, right? Like it was okay. Mm. I don't know how to how to put it any other way. It was it it seems, I mean, hearing what you're sharing and kind of filling in the gaps with my memories, it feels like it happened over time, more like a flower in blossom in bloom mm-hmm. and less like I can't think of a second metaphor. I don't know why I started with the metaphors, but my point is it feels like it happened over time as you were growing into yourself and less mm-hmm. like there was a moment that broke you in that yeah. sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like what's your process or what do you do in moments where you feel hopelessness trying to sink its teeth into you? Acknowledging 
that feeling of hopelessness and like not trying to buzzword repress it um and like back to the pandemic but there's the way we've been living now it kind of forces me to do that because in a pre-covid life I would just call up a friend and be like let's go do something so I don't have to think about Mm -hmm. the void setting in yeah um and now there's no going out and there's no gathering so I have right. to sit with myself and I have to be with myself. I know we all are kind of having this moment where you're, we're learning more about the way that we process things, the way that we show up for ourselves or don't, or in the ways that we need to. What have you learned is the way that you need to show up for yourself in order to get yourself to a place where you're mm-hmm. like, okay, I feel like I can move through or forward mm-hmm. in this situation. I'm not a talker, <laughs> so I don't talk about these things. Um, so that's that's what I've learned is that I have to do is is um, either talk through it in my mind, like literally just voice the things that are haunting me in my mind at the very least, but like crying it out to someone. Um, this is something Myelin struggles with, but we support and love and accept that about her. And I think you've, you've been witness to some of those moments uh, in this year. It's true. Yeah, It's true. And those moments are, I mean, like, it doesn't, I mean, duh, but like also going to name the, the obvious here. It doesn't feel great to not feel like you can keep moving forward. And those moments are never going to be pretty or fun mm-hmm. or like, enjoyable to share um and it really it really is this this knowing that the care outweighs the discomfort Mm -hmm. becomes not easier to do but more necessary to do when Mm -hmm. there's less to distract from Mm -hmm. what's actually going on I have seen Mm -hmm. that in you is this like shift from being, you know, like, yes, you are still one of the more reserved people I know, but there is a shift from like an elusive figure named May to, oh, these are different sides of May that she's allowing people to see and that she's opening up to. And and that doesn't necessarily have to be sad and vulnerable. That can also be joyous and silly. Yeah. you know, but yes, <laughs> and everything in between. Yeah, it, it, and it, but those moments of vulnerability, and I don't know, maybe you can speak more to this or you can disagree with me if I'm wrong, but it, I feel like it sounds like these moments of vulnerability have paved this way to have those moments of silliness and joy and all of the in between non performativeness of mm-hmm. life to be also presented to people because if they can take you at at least for me now speaking about like my personal experience I feel like when people can take me at what I feel is my ugliest or Mm -hmm. my least attractive version of self then I know that I have more room to be around those people not to be around those people but to be 
yeah and have that be around those people absolutely i agree i couldn't have said it better myself <laughs> you could try you're a no! poet give me a poem right now no give me a month three months <laughs> one to three months please yeah yeah, yeah. okay and above to three months i will have um i will publish based poetry about <laughs> Oh, whatever I just demanded. I really like, I hope someone's listening to this because I truly am not. Like, I just. No, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think either of us is. We're yeah, just. we just speak. The past is the past. The past is in the past. And we're no only in the present. No frozen, but let it go. Surprise, surprise. Vulnerability opens you up to other aspects of your life and intimacy with people isn't that crazy like that sounds insane insane it sounds foolish really i would never Works both ways whoa um <laughs> what how does that okay so like mm -hmm. honestly right like because i say a lot of things that i believe and yet are hard to like feel i don't know when i like to say that i I must have hope because hope is not out of the question. Hope must exist because I'm not sure that it doesn't. Like, I know that that's not very helpful and very conceptual. Very agnostic. But that's, that's, but that's how I feel. And so in all of that, um, I struggle with knowing when hope, or I guess I don't struggle with this. My feeling is that sometimes my hope feels desperate it doesn't feel mm -hmm. valid sometimes it feels like I just don't want things to be mm -hmm. the way that they are and so I must conjure this idea mm -hmm. that they won't be that even if they're not grounded in anything and like maybe that's the element of faith that mm -hmm. I struggle with because my experience with the word faith with the mm -hmm. connotations of faith aren't good yeah. <laughs> they're usually masking okay. terrible things yeah. and so I just struggle with having faith because mm -hmm. to me that concept has always meant to go against myself yeah in a very Ooh. very weird way uh that all ties into like this idea with like why it complicates this idea of hope because it feels like you have to have faith to have hope but yeah. faith feels coded like even when I say it, I'm pretty sure I'm not I'm not gonna say what I'm talking about because not because I'm not gonna talk about it I mean maybe one day that'll be its own episode but because you know what I'm talking about that's the point it's coded yeah. language even if it's not the text the textbook definition of faith yeah. it's coded in a way that I have complicated feelings mm -hmm. with so now my complications also with faith um which feels like an integral pillar to have hope is to believe that yeah. is to hold on to that. Why does it feel like in order to have hope, you have to combat this like mm -hmm. idea of faith that is an added layer, you know, like not yeah. everyone has this like struggle with, with the concept. Yeah. So it feels like, I don't know, extra work. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, We're getting very close to May's private box about faith. <laughs> like I realized as soon as I asked, I was like, oops. <laughs> we certainly are. But I think I think there's a way. For a really long time, I 
felt very the need to dissociate from faith mm. and like that like I don't want anything to do with it I don't have a problem with it but I kind of do like I don't have a problem with it as long as it's outside of me right like it's not it's somebody before, else in a different yeah. context yeah <laughs> I'm familiar with the concept yes <laughs> as long as someone else is doing it like <laughs> yeah no I get it thank you for taking me back no <laughs> no no no, no. I know but is not. it funny That's, we have yeah, to filter things funny. in like a very similar way to the way that we're trying to work against or like mm-hmm. to leave behind is also to mm-hmm. take with that's how I felt for a really long, really long time and uh, I think I've no 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 I don't want to say I've worked through that because that's not true but I feel like <laughs> I've started to face it um mm. and I guess what I'm saying is that it's very much an ego thing um or it's it's this wanting to for me at least it's just wanting to like rise above that like it just feels silly it feels like there's no agency in that it feels like why would I give up my power uh and to unto someone else um and so the ego part is like me wanting to prove that like I don't need that right and I think that's where the hope difficulty comes in right like because hope I think is so tied in with faith it feels like like, no, I don't, I, I'm, I'm above that. Um, you talked about this idea that to have faith feels like a lack of agency or, or that there, there's this like feeling that there's no agency in that. And for me, I feel like it's because there was something projected onto me in, when it, in the realm of faith Mm -hmm. that I had no agency over. And so when I try to like work through what it means to like make my own decision if something feels too similar to what was forced upon me or has the same language which is I guess the whole point of this this Mm -hmm. little tangent is like that I don't feel like I'm making the choice anymore and it feels like someone else has made the choice and I'm just being influenced by what I was taught or what I was learned and I think for me, there's a part of hope that feels silly because it feels like I'm supposed to believe what I haven't been able to see. Mm-hmm. And that opens up a different door of like, mm-hmm. well, then how is that any different than what you try to denounce mm-hmm. uh, in your past? Mm-hmm. So, and and I have things to say about that but go ahead no no I would I would love to hear what you have to say um now now I feel like it's definitely getting more tangent e but I feel like I think first of all when does this turn into a therapy session (laughs) um second off yeah like what you said right there about it feeling like that turning into the thing now I'm not going to repeat it correctly but like it now feels like the thing that you've been trying to denounce, but it's the thing that you need. I think, I feel like it's along the lines of that. And I think, and I think I wanted to say that like, they're the, they're the same, like the thing, the thing that we're trying to denounce is not 
is not faith, right? It's like the baggage that's around it. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that feels, it feels true because if we get down to like what it means to have faith or what it means to hold on to hope, those things we, I think the two of us and, and maybe people who are listening that are relating to what we're talking about, I think those are things that we have and can hold on to and can agree to. And yet, like, it has to do with, like, the connotation of, of claiming what that is or saying that's what that is yeah. uh, versus, like, just living by that. Mm-hmm. Um, faith and hope and hope and faith. They're integral to survival and to life. Exactly. Um, and to what we want, you know, like... Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we spend fighting to survive, fighting for change, fighting for something that isn't what we have. And I don't think that's possible if we don't imagine what could be. And that takes a whole lot of hope and a whole lot of faith. But we've had this conversation before and it was just framed differently Mm -hmm. and this idea that we don't have to limit our liberation and we don't have to limit our lives and we can imagine and use our imagination as a tool to further us in what we want to do with social change with political action um we've had this conversation and i i'm realizing now that in retrospect that's all been about hope this idea that we have a hope for the future that we can envision that we can take time to process and see uh, in our minds so that we can make it reality in our lives and in our actions and I think as long as I am continuing to act out of faith and out of hope um yeah, then, then, then I am, and then I am okay with calling it that. Ooh, May has hope. Oh, no. May and hope sitting in a tree. No, hoping. H o p i n g. We know that in each moment that we live, whether it be a joyous one or a treacherous one, that. It can't be our forever. There has to be a moment after. And that moment can possibly, perhaps, be better than the one that we're in. Um, What do you think is the way that you utilize that idea when moving forward uh, socially, politically, in attempts to make change? Um, I think about how we've been here before Mm. and then we've moved past it. Right. I'm thinking about like in, in, in May and August with like the resurgence of the, of, um, of organizing, especially around BLM, um, like it just keeps happening like this, like a spiral, right. It, It just keeps coming back. Right. So, but like every single time it comes back, it's, um, 
like we've learned more, right? And we've gotten a little closer and yes, it's slower and yes, it's awful to relive it again. But like every time we're evolving from it, right? We're hopefully evolving in a hopefully. So I think there's something you're touching on that I kind of flew over and didn't Mm -hmm. really flesh out, but it feels like where we're at in processing what it means to find hope is that it's not about stationing it in this possible future, but rather pulling from the past. We're mm-hmm. constantly in communication with our past. We're constantly in communication mm-hmm. with our future. And in that is the present, right? Mm-hmm. And I think for me, what I'm what I'm getting out of what both of us have said about this idea of knowing that because we've passed something that was terrible in the past and we keep learning and growing and moving forward that that is hopeful for a future where we move past this benchmark and that Mm -hmm. benchmark and that benchmark so what it feels like is hope is something that isn't desperation when you know that it is in communication with what has happened what is happening and what can happen Mm -hmm. um in the future um And it feels like that way of thinking of a well-rounded idea of hope makes me feel less foolish in placing faith in it. Right. It's interesting because the things that feel the most hopeless take an incredible amount of hope to get through. This pandemic would have been possible to get through without finding hope in the nuggets that you can find them. Uh, fighting for a better world politically and socially would be impossible without hope, without this idea that there can be a better world. Um, Moving, even moving day to day through your career and your life is based on this hope that you're building something worthwhile and you don't know because you don't know how it will end, but that doesn't mean you stop building. And I think what I'm touching on is that there is no doing and going without hope. And in that, mm. you can believe that it exists and that you have it. Mm. I think it's harder to say, I'm hopeful about something. And it's easier to see the ways that you in- exhibit hope uh, mm-hmm. every day. Yeah, absolutely. So, May, thank you so much for joining me in this conversation, for being my first guest and putting that trust in me. I knew I wanted to talk to you on here. I just wasn't sure if you were going to say yes. And I'm very glad that you did. Um, I always say yes to you. You do. I don't know why. Period. It's a character flaw. Um, It's because you have so much hope and faith that I will uh, deliver. And whether or not, and there's possibility for for error there. Um, It's all coming around. Um, Thank you for real. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me in the holding space. Uh, Thank you to anyone who is listening. I have not forgotten about y'all. Thank you for listening. Uh, There's more to come. This is the first episode of the first season of this podcast. This is going to be a great season so far. I know who some of the guests are. I know who some of the episodes are what some of the episodes are going to be about um 
it'll be it'll be a ride it'll be a journey and like anything is a process this is not the end of this conversation per se but it's where we're leaving off it's where we're at um truly thank you for listening and i hope you enjoyed the rest of your day whenever part of your day you're listening to this too goodbye everybody say goodbye may bye thank you thank you